0: Episode 48 of Tendy Talk presented by the BLPA and the Hockey Podcast Networks. I am your host Joe, better known as Washup Up Goalie on social media. This week I chat with Dan Forrest of Forrest Goaltending. Dan and I chat about his background in hockey, coaching young goaltenders, and what they should be focusing on as they move into tryout season. So, without further ado, let's get to the conversation with Dan. Well, hey, Dan, thanks for joining me on the podcast. I appreciate it. Uh, Always fun to have other goalies on, which is obviously what I have every week. But uh, always fun to have goalie coaches, too, because I I think you guys bring a different uh, perspective, not just to the conversation, but you're always thinking about how how we could be better.
1: Yeah, that's for sure.
0: Yeah. And I have to apologize if you hear any banging in the background. (coughs) Excuse me, I have a a teammate here and working on my kitchen. Yeah, no worries. So, excuse me, I don't know what's going on. Um, You know, I I don't know if you've listened to much of the podcast in the past, but I like to uh, talk to goalies of all ages and skill levels, find out about, you know, the background, you know, why you got into the game, why goaltender, but also, you know, what keeps you going? What what uh, motivates you in the game? So wh- why don't we start in the beginning? You know, how did you get started with the game of hockey?
1: To be honest, it, it started when I was a young kid and just Saturday nights watching hockey with my dad and right from probably as early as I can remember, that was like a, a Saturday night tradition. So it, it kind of started with that, uh, watching hockey uh, and then, being a goalie, it was just something I always. I think I fell in love with the equipment and and everything like that to start off, and that's kind of how it started, to be honest.
0: Yeah, you know, it's funny the the guys over on in goal they always say, well, you know, you become a goalie because you know your brother or your sister was already playing and they needed a goalie, or mom or dad was a goalie, and th- those are all true. But then there's always the I just love the equipment. That's why yep. I had to be goalie. <laughs> yep. Yeah, I, I know that's what it was. Uh, I think for me too is started watching the game. Now I was a catcher in baseball too, so I, I think there was a predisposition to the the equipment. But it was like, yeah, I, I want to be that guy. <laughs> yeah. Um, so you, you start out pretty young. Um, what what was the journey through the, the game of hockey for you? You know, what levels did you wind up playing at?
2: So I uh,
1: I actually started playing hockey late um I I started playing hockey at the age of seven um
0: (laughs) it's funny that Canadians think the age of seven is late for well
1: organized hockey (laughs) yeah organized hockey right um so we did I did that the first year actually I played house league I was signed up as a player um always wanted to be a goalie my parents said you know what let's just try it the one year and see where it goes So we, I went to actually the first practice um, and we didn't have a goalie. So the coach asked out on the ice if uh, anybody wanted to be a goalie for our first game uh, next weekend. And I quietly put up my hand and didn't tell my parents until uh, (laughs) he showed up at the rink the next week with uh, league equipment waiting there for me. And to be honest, it turned out into, uh, I ended up playing the rest of the year uh, and then our last game of the season, my mom, like, she begged me. She's like, just play out one game so you can say you did it. Um, you know, you got all the equipment, so let's just try it. So I went in the last regular season game. I scored a goal and got two assists. And my mom's like, look, you're, you're natural. Like, you should be playing out. I'm like, it's not for me. So, yeah. And then after that, I, I just, after two years, I went up to AAA, actually. Made quite the jump. Uh, and I played there my my whole minor league uh, career, I guess you could call it. Uh, I played in the GTHL with Devon Kings. And then my last two years in OMHA with uh, the Richmond Hill Stars at that time. Uh, and then in my draft year, I actually partially tore my MCL. Ooh. So I was on crutches for eight months. Uh, and then just, basically a year of rehab and it's kind of where it ended up. And then that's kind of where the story goes, where how my business started is a, a buddy of mine was a a A coach. And he said, you know, we, we, we pay somebody to be a goalie coach. Like, would you be interested?
2: Mm-hmm. So I
1: took that job and, and that's kind of how my, my business started growing.
0: So it's interesting. It works that way because I I think a lot of goalies it's uh once our playing days are over there's usually a teammate or old coach that goes hey uh you want to work with these guys because I don't know what the heck I'm doing with them yeah (laughs) and uh you were fortunate enough though that you were able to uh turn it into a a job at least you know whereas I think a lot of us it, it it was for me it was the uh volunteer goalie coach and mm-hmm. you know d- did that for a couple of years till my kids were born um, yep. so that that's awesome now I, I want to step back a little bit though because you said you know that first year mom and dad wanted you to to skate out and um, I know that that was the case for me as well and like you during tryouts they were they needed goalies and my arm went up and so I was uh, one of two on the team uh, but but our coach uh, he, he rotated us, so I would play mm-hmm. goalie one game. That kid would skate out, and then we switched. Yep. Um, as a coach, how important do you think it is for young hockey players to at least play out for you know, or rotate out um, huh. to learn the other aspects of the game?
1: I, I honestly think it, it depends on the on the on the goalie. Like some of them, they have their hearts set out a, as being a goalie, and they understand the game from that perspective uh Mm -hmm. some kids maybe they have that thought of back and forth they're not sure this is what they want to do i think in that case it's more important to kind of see it from both sides
2: Mm -hmm. uh,
1: understand the game as a whole um so I, i think it really depends on on each individual
0: yeah that that makes sense too and um I know at the USA Hockey level, they're really trying to stress at the younger levels of not letting just one kid play, but the, the rotation so that everybody yep. does get that um, that taste of goaltending. But at the same time, like you said, there are certain kids. I, I was one of them, where it's like, nope, this is all I want to do. You know, I'll skate out because you're making me. I'll be okay at it yep. because I understand the game. But uh, nope, this is. Yep this is what I want to do and after for that sure. first year that's all I did yeah I, and
1: was I was the same
0: I was about to say I don't think I've worn forward skates since but I did two uh-huh. winters ago we had a uh, pretty cool ice storm that turned our uh, streets into ice rinks uh, mm-hmm. and I, w- I wasn't about to ruin my blades <laughs>
2: yeah <that's laughs> so I had sure.
0: an old pair of forward skates in the garage I threw them on and skated down the there street though <laughs> awesome
1: uh, Actually, I, can you hold on just one sec sorry Sorry about that.
0: Hey, No worries. It happens.
1: Yeah. <laughs> uh, I, I'm we're here starting to deal with our uh, AAA tryouts here, so I have coaches calling me, and then I have uh, my stepson's missed, has missed something for his uh, hitting clinic, and I'm trying to deal <laughs> with that. It's it's nuts. My phone goes off a hundred times a day.
0: <laughs> I get that. I get that. It's uh, it's a busy time for sure for uh, goalie coaches as we get into that. Pre-tryout season as well as uh, getting ramped up for some tryouts. And you mentioned your son for hitting. Is that for baseball or?
1: No, no, that's a sort of body checking clinic. Uh, So here, what for their, what'll be U14, U15. Last year, because of COVID, we didn't really have a year. So they Mm -hmm. didn't participate in contact. Yeah, Um, So they have to take a hitting clinic before they can go to any tryouts that involve body checking. Oh, cool! So they're supposed to do a zoom call first and then they have an on ice hitting clinic. So apparently he's missed his zoom call, which was supposed (laughs) to be yesterday. And yeah, so it's been, it's been a whirlwind trying to figure it out because tryouts this year have been condensed because of the timelines. Mm -hmm. So it's, it's, yeah.
0: You know, it's It's been one of those days. (laughs) It's interesting. You mentioned the hitting and, you know, the ages that, the kids are starting to hit. I, I remember when I played, it was uh, the peewee level that we were able to start hitting in games. Mm-hmm. But they started teaching us how to hit his squirts. And yep. they started pushing it back. And uh, this is just a goalie speaking, but I, I think that's silly that they pushed it back because the sheer physics of kids are a lot more resilient at those younger ages, but they're also not as big. So if they don't quite... Come into a check properly. The right. odds of them really hurting somebody are a lot lower than when we have these fourteen-year-olds. Where I mean, the Little League World Series just got over, and every year there's that you know picture of two kids standing at first base. One of them's like six feet tall, and the other hasn't hit his growth spurt yet, and he's like four that's foot nine. Exactly
1: what I was going to say. Yeah, it, it, it's the height and weight differential, the size yeah. differential. Like when you're younger, yeah, you might have that one kid who's a little bigger, mm-hmm. but you know for us, like technically for his age, it's fifteen year old well, yep. you know we have kids that are over six two six three already, like yep. and there's kids that are a hundred pounds soaking wet, so it it'll be definitely interesting on on how that affects some kids for sure,
0: yeah, and every time they push hitting back, I just shake my head and I- I would not be surprised if, you know, because they've pushed it back a couple times, um, you know, that that we've lost some pretty good kids that really love the game of hockey, but they were just the small kid and they're like, I, I don't want to get smoked out there. Right. Um, whereas if they were hitting at the Peewee level, uh, they'd be used to it and th- they would have the, to it. Yeah. They'd also have the confidence that the kid coming after them knows how to hit too yep uh, you know but then again when we were coming up in the game you know Don Cherry's Rock'em Sock'em Hockey was coming out every year and we just yep. loved those big hits and we wanted to replicate them exactly <laughs> they're they're not getting that uh these days at the end of the season those videos aren't coming out anymore and they're yeah. you know they're trying to clean up the game in terms of those just vicious hits and uh I don't know about you, but sometimes I watch the, the old hits and I remember as a kid, like, Oh, that's awesome. And now I'm watching it going, Oh, that makes my head hurt. (laughs) Um, Yeah.
1: It's, it's like, I, I personally don't agree with them moving it. I, I agree. It should have been earlier, mm -hmm. um, and stay that way, but that's for powers above me. Right.
0: Right. Exactly. It's it's above our pay grade and we're just goalies. So they're not going to listen to us anyway, because they say, well, nobody touches you. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. So you you get into coaching fairly early, right after your playing days. Um, What kind of struggles did you have early on, you know, going from that player role to that coaching role um, with, with people that probably weren't much younger than you.
1: Yeah. So I I think I was probably about nineteen when I, I really started getting into the coaching. Um so my first team was for ten and eleven year olds.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: So there was
2: there
1: there was still some some difference in age. Mm-hmm. Um the biggest struggle I would say I had was is learning how to coach different mindsets or different styles of 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 learning mm-hmm. you know goal teaching goal to me like I love it goaltending changes from year to year yep um so it's learning how to adapt the hardest part I find for for coaching is teaching each student or each goalie something that's comfortable for them
2: mm-hmm.
1: uh play-wise style-wise but also they're their learning style you know mm-hmm. i am a visual learner and i to be honest i find that close to i would say 80 to 90 percent of goalies i train are visual learners mm-hmm. but then you also have you know kids that you can just talk to them and they understand that
2: mm-hmm. uh,
1: so i think my biggest thing was learning how to instruct different learning styles uh versus any of the you know the techniques or anything like that it, it it was just how can i make each one of my students better in a way that they will re- receive the information the easiest so i think that's kind of where where my struggles were at, at first
0: it's interesting you say that cuz i remember when i was coaching you know w- we had different goalies you know different personalities in fact the whole team is different personalities and The other coaches just kind of brought this coach them all the same way mentality and treat them all the same way. And uh, when it came to the goalies, I I treated them each differently based on that personality. You know, there was the one goalie where I would just look at him and be like, Nate, get your head out of your backside. You know, what's going on? He's like, Yeah, I know. And then there was the other kid where I had to put my arm around him and be like, Hey, bud, it's okay. You know, don't worry about it. And it it was just learning those personality types and understanding, you know, who they were as people that, that was difficult. And, you know, when, when we had new kids come into the program, it, it took some feeling, you know, trying different things to see what worked for them and what didn't. Yeah. And, um, it's, I remember we had this one goalie, he was, uh, problematic personality wise. And the one day I just asked him, you know, What's going on at home? Then found out, you know, he had some issues going on at home with his, you know, biological dad and this and that. And it was like, okay, so you're acting out not because you're not getting the game or not playing well or anything like that. You're acting out because you got other stuff going on. And the fact that I just asked how he was doing, what was going on, kind of changed the way he listened to Mm -hmm. me. He wouldn't listen to the other coaches, but when I looked at him, I could be a little bit harder on him. Because it was just asking those little things, finding out about who they were, not just what did they do. Absolutely. Uh,
1: I, I find, like, with any goalie I instruct, it's, it's getting them to trust you. And it's not even just at a, a level of trying to teach a technique. It's, you know, you're building a relationship with that, with that student. So if, if they're seeing that, you know, you're taking the time to work with them and they, you want to know about them and how they want to play versus, you know, just kind of saying this is what you have to do, you're showing them the options. You're, you're showing them that you want to help them improve. And I find once a student realizes that you're on their side, you're there to help them to improve their game as soon as they trust you they're an open book they they're ready to learn they they take anything that you say 100% seriously versus somebody that you know is just thrown at them and is forcing them to do something that's kind of where you get the pushback right so
2: mm-hmm.
0: yeah it's interesting you say cuz i remember i can't remember which goalie coach it was but i remember he was showing one goalie something that he wasn't showing me. And I kind of asked him, I was like, why aren't we working on that? And he, he looked at me, he goes, cause it doesn't fit your game. Yep. And he said, my job isn't to get you guys all to play the same way. My job is to look at the way you play and make you better from that. And I was like, exactly. Huh? <laughs> you know, I remember being a young kid, I think it was maybe in high school and it was just kind of like, Never thought of it that way, but it made yep. a lot of sense to me. So you've been in this coaching game for a little bit of time. Yep. Uh, and it's crazy when you you start looking back, you know, not that long ago, how much the position has changed. As you mentioned from year to year, it changes. What do you think has been the biggest change in the game since you started coaching? Oof.
1: It's been a lot. <laughs> um, well, you're, you're, you can go back to something, even the equipment size has changed.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Something like that. Versus, you know, when the butterfly first, you know, was starting to be introduced uh, to where we are today, where it's, you know, you're, you're kind of seeing that athleticism come back into the game. Mm-hmm. Um, something I've been noticing in the last year or two with NHL goalies even is like, you're seeing more movement on their feet. Mm -hmm. versus those long slides that it it, it was previously. Um, So, like I said, it's always adapting. Like you go back, you know, prior to, hold on one sec. I'm getting another phone call. I apologize. (laughs) That's all right.
0: Week one may be over, but the season's just getting started at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. To kick off Week 2, DraftKings is giving new customers $200 in free bets instantly when they bet $1 on any football game. Listen up, because you don't want to miss this. Head to the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and place a bet of $1 on any Week 2 game to receive $200 in free bets instantly. If Sportsbook is not yet available in your state, DraftKings still has huge cash prizes up for grabs all season long, with their daily fantasy contests. DraftKings is giving all new customers a free one-shot at millions of dollars in total prizes with their first deposit. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use promo code THPN to receive $200 in free bets when you place a $1 bet on any football game. That's promo code THPN this week at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. Must be 21 or older in New Jersey, Indiana, and Pennsylvania only. New customers only. Minimum $5 deposit and $1 wager required. One per customer. Restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com sportsbook for details. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or in Indiana, 1-800-9-WITH-IT.
1: Sorry about that. I apologize again.
0: Hey, it, it happens, like I said, it's busy season, yeah. Um, you know, as you were saying, so much has changed in the equipment. You know, things were so much bigger. You know, I, I yep. think back to uh Garth Snow and uh, you know, his giant floaters. Um, yeah, somebody
1: even like Jaguar, yep. Playoffs. I yeah. was
0: just gonna say Jaguar, and you know, his huge, yeah, he had the big chest protector, but I, I remember his pads being so huge. Yep, but then you look at a guy like Marty Brodeur who even at the end of his career when he was standing up you could still see his hockey pants um yep. you know he he didn't really have the thigh rise that uh, most boys do today and um you know i, I heard stories that he, he had the old school chest protector um you to know the where the day
1: he retired
0: yeah to the day he retired where yeah you're getting those bruises on the belly but uh you, you felt it uh yep. it, i can't remember if it, who who was I was having the conversation with? If it was Ron Tugner or Kelly Rudy and we're talking about, there was just something about um, that equipment from the eighties and the nineties where, yeah, the puck hurt. You got those bruises, but it also probably made us better goalies because we realized, Hey, if I don't get my hands over here, I'm going to feel that puck and I'm going to get a bruise. It's not going to be fun. But if I get my hand over here and catch the puck or I get my blocker in the way or whatever, it doesn't hurt. <laughs>
1: it, it promoted that that athleticism.
0: Yeah, exactly. And, you know, kids today, it doesn't seem like they, they have the bruises like we used to. I remember I met Steve Larmer oh, no. at an uh, autograph signing as a kid. And, you know, my teammate was like, yeah, this is Joe, our goalie. And he goes, prove it. Where are the bruises? And I just, you know, lifted up one, you know, sweatpant leg and showed all the bruises were on my knees. And he goes, yep, you're the goalie. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so yeah, I, I think kids are um, definitely. It's a good thing and a bad thing, in my opinion. You know, it's good that they're protected. Yep. But um, I worked in the commercial playground industry for a while, and there was a great article about you know, have we made things too safe for kids to where they don't um, they don't know how what their risks really are? So they they're getting hurt because they're trying things they shouldn't because they they don't have that built in. Wait a minute.
2: I, I've let's pushed, think about this
0: yeah and it's I, I almost wonder if it's the same thing in goaltending where they're doing things because they're not going to feel it who, mm-hmm. who cares um I, I've thought about that quite a bit if, if I could see that for sure and, um, and
1: like, like you brought up like when they do get hit with a puck and it does hurt it's like well this hasn't happened before versus uh, that happened every practice multiple times you know like I, I remember getting dinged in practice plenty of times. Now it's like a goal gets dinged in practice and they got to leave practice. They're done. Like it, like you said, it, it kind of gives that toughness as well. Like,
2: mm-hmm.
1: what are you going to do in a game? Big game. You get hit in the knee, you're going to get carried off and, and kind of throw your partner in for the loop. Right. Or are you going to battle
0: through it? Yeah. I, I remember when they were, uh, making the goalie equipment smaller and the chest protectors and goalies weren't happy because they, they were, you know, feeling it in their arms and a little bit in their belly. And I forget which retired NHL goalie was that said, boo-hoo. That that's yeah. what it used to be. If you don't like it, stop it with your gloves. Yep. <laughs> you know, it was like, yeah, stop, stop whining that you have a bruise that that comes with the position. Um mm-hmm. Yeah, when I was in high school, I, I was having issues with my hands. And so ice was ready early. And my, my coach took me out there, and he was going to shoot at me. And he, then he goes, put your helmet on the net. And I just kind of looked at him and go, what? And he goes, put your helmet on the net. And I still kind of looked at him and goes, listen, you don't have your helmet on. Your hands are you're going to be much more concentrated, and you're going to gonna stop sure. that puck. Yeah. And I went, okay. And he started with the puck blow. I'll, I'll give him that. But yeah. Yeah, he was right. Uh, I wanted to protect my face. So anything that came near, I caught it or knocked it out of the way with my blocker. And my, my teammates were just standing behind the glass like, these guys are nuts. Yep. <laughs> but I do remember after practice, one of my teammates goes, Joe, if you were playing back in the days when goalies didn't wear masks, what would you have done? And I said, I would have been a forward, plain and simple. Yep. <laughs> like, <laughs> this it would is have changed him. your
1: outlook on it for sure.
0: Yeah, Absolutely um <laughs> but it was just funny he's like oh okay, okay that's a good good answer to that one um if, if we're talking equipment you know what do you think has been the, be- the best change for equipment uh since the days you know you and I were young and playing competitively
1: I think uh, overall the weight of the equipment has changed uh mm-hmm. this past week I just at my camp uh We demoed all the new uh, Bauer Hyper Light uh, equipment and Mm -hmm. it's it's crazy how light the stuff has gotten. Mm -hmm. Um, But overall, I would have to probably say the mask, you know, comparing what I used to wear versus the mask I wear now. It's night and day, not only the weight, but like the construction, um, stuff like that. I would have to probably say the mask for sure.
0: Yeah, it's funny you say that because the mask has looked the same since yep. the 80s with the exception of the armadillo, which I have the uh, story of that in the latest Vintage tendy magazine. He
1: lives in Kitchener down the street.
0: Yeah, I, I've had Don on the uh, show before and he, he's a fantastic guy and I, I love how he brought in, you know, the completely different uh, insight of auto racing to make a completely different mask. And the thing is, since dawn, nobody has done anything else different. They all have that same, you know, um look to, to their masks. But the construction and the materials and, you know, everything that's inside the mask has completely changed. Uh, you know, the, the look has stayed the same, but the, the protection is night and day. Yep. Um, in fact... That's one of the few pieces of equipment I have updated uh, in the past few years. And one of the things I liked about the Bauer mask is it had 3M vibration reduction tapes inside between layers. And I think most of you would be like tape. Okay. Whatever. At the time though, I was working at 3M on okay. their automotive team, uh, their automotive electrification team. So we were talking about these tapes an awful lot. And I understood like, how they absorbed that shock and it? because what they're doing is they're using that tape for your your electronic systems in your car and they need to stay, you know, pretty smooth as you drive down the road, even if you're driving down a dirt road. So it's like, they may be thin, but they, they do an awful lot. And I'm like, okay, that, that's pretty cool. And that was one of the deciding factors when I bought that mask was uh, that technology in them. And of course, a couple other things, but it was like, yeah, it's it's pretty cool. It, it's not just a few layers of fiberglass anymore Yeah, in a, uh, you know, cage that's going to rust in about two years.
2: Yeah.
1: A lot of like a lot of them are full carbon too now. Right. Mm-hmm. So yep. it helps with the the weight as well. So,
0: yeah, it, it's talking about the weight of the equipment. Um, I don't know if you've, you've noticed on Instagram, but I, I'm wearing some pretty old equipment myself. I bought it in 1999. And to me, that's just normal, the, the heavy mm-hmm. stuff, but I I've got a, uh, order into Vaughn, uh, nine weeks ago for some new stuff. And I'm just sitting here going, it's going to be so nice to have light stuff. Uh, I'm not going to have seven buckles on every, every pad <laughs> to yep. I, I can get out of the locker room, you know, maybe 20 minutes quicker. Uh, but, but that weight, um, uh, And it's funny because I think most goalies will go, oh, yeah, the weight during the game's the issue. And for me, it's like, no, the weight in the hockey bag after the game. (laughs) Uh, I I, I refuse to have a hockey bag with wheels. I say the the day I need a hockey bag with wheels is the day I need to retire. Um,
1: Same speech I gave my girlfriend. She's like, why don't you just get a wheel bag? I'm like, not happening.
0: But after a game, sometimes I'm looking at it going a wheeled bag would be nice right now, (laughs) but I'm not going to do it. The funny thing, my uh, old bag was starting to go, the zipper was falling apart. So two years ago for, I think it was Father's Day, my kids wanted to get me a new bag. And I was like, you know, I thought it was pretty cool that they did that. And so my wife takes them to the uh, pro shop and she goes, you know, we need a goalie bag. She, you know, she doesn't go into pro shops often. So she's like, we need a goalie bag. And their first question is, well, does he put his pads in inside the bag or not? And luckily both my kids have come to a few of my games and they're like, he he puts them in the bag. I'm like, okay, does he need a roller bag or not? And my wife was, but you know, according to my kids goes, well, he is getting older. And my daughter goes, no mom. Dad says he hates those bags and they're ridiculous and if you can't carry your bag you shouldn't be playing. Yeah. <laughs> so they they bought me one without without wheels and it's uh it's a good bag. It's held up so nice. far. <laughs>
1: yeah. Uh, to be honest, that's probably one of the only things I haven't replaced. I still have my my Midget AAA bag that's still kicking around.
0: Yeah, well, I have my old high school bag and I could use that but my pads don't fit in there. Uh, so that, that's where all the, uh, pond hockey equipment goes. Um, and my kids use that one, but I I had my bag from college and I had that thing 20 years and the zipper was just falling apart. Whereas I, why even zip it up? Because the seam is opened up anyway. And so I I was going to take it to, uh, Georgia's hockey repair here in town, but then they got me a new bag and I went, okay, no need to spend a few bucks and get that repaired. So, Yeah. So one of the questions I always like to ask people too is um, when you're not playing hockey, what, what fulfills you, what, you know, kind of grounds you and keeps you uh, sane away from the game. Away from the
1: game. For me, it's golf. Uh, Especially if I'm not working, I'm not on the ice. That's usually where I try to be is on the golf course. Uh, One, I'm a competitive person, so it allows (laughs) me still to, have that competitive juices with myself mm-hmm. um, as well as, you know, having a good time with friends. And it, it, it just distracts me for that four or five hours mm-hmm. uh, and, and keeps my head away from the game. So.
0: Yeah. I'm not much of a golfer. I can count the number of times I've golfed, uh, but what I enjoy about it is the people I golf with. Yeah. Uh, I, the people that, will go to the, you know, course by themselves and do a run by themselves. I'm going, well, that was a waste of four or five hours. (laughs) You know, if you go with some buddies, it's uh, much more enjoyable in my opinion. Absolutely. Um, and if the beverage carts coming around frequently, it's even better.
1: Absolutely. Especially after a bad hole.
0: Yeah. I, (laughs) (laughs) there, there was a job I was working a couple of years ago and they took everybody golfing, uh, we actually went on a family corporate retreat to this nice little lodge up in uh, Northern Minnesota. And they had a really nice golf course. So we had nine o'clock tea time, everybody in the group I was with, we get to the second hole and the beverage cart comes up and they're like, what, what are you going to have? And we're like, Oh, you got any orange juice? And she's like, yeah. I are like, "Ah, we will take three orange juices. And she goes, now before you give the final order, just know that everything's paid for for the round. And they are like, Screwdriver, screwdriver. Three screwdrivers yeah. all around. And she came by every other hole. So by the time we got done, we weren't looking at our golf scores. We'll just put it no. that way.
1: No, for sure.
0: <laughs> yeah, it it was a uh it was a fun round of golf. Uh yeah. at one point I, I hit the ball, it hit a tree and wound up twenty five feet behind me. And one of the guys goes, Well, that's something I haven't seen on the golf course before. Happened three go. more happened three more times before we were done. And <laughs> By the third time he's like, that's enough. It's not funny anymore. I was like, I'm yeah. not even trying to do it. That's just how bad <laughs> of a golfer I am. <laughs> so yeah, it's it's a fun game when you're with the right people. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Um so <sighs> As kids get ready to, you know, start this uh, fun tryout process, what do you think is the most important thing they should be focusing on going into this new season, going into the tryouts? Uh, you know, what what can they be doing to get themselves ready?
1: Well, like for, for kids I train, it's, I have kind of noticed there's kind of two groups right now. There's the group that have been skating as much as they can versus you know kids or or goalies that have been away from the rink for a while Mm -hmm. um it it, it is that period where everyone's now rushing to get as much ice as possible get back into the swing of things um around like last year here anyways uh it was a, a difficult season, especially for goalies. Uh, mm. We didn't, we weren't able to play any games. So it was just practice, practice, practice until everything got shut down. So the goalies kind of found that, you know, in, in practices, it, it was more of a, just, they were a target more than anything, right? Yep. So they weren't able to really get that competitive feeling of playing a game uh, throughout the year. So to be honest, what, what I preach to them is you know get that competitive feeling back get that gameplay mentality back and be and be ready for it whether it's you know I, I've told some of my students go back and watch some of your old games that you have taped what how does that make you feel like you do you feel like excited to get back out there and feel that again uh mm-hmm. and and all of them have said yes so for me it's you know, it's the typical, you know, go out there and if you're trying to make a team that is moving up a level, you just want to prove to the evaluators, to the coaches, like that there's no way that they can cut you, right? If you want to move up and you want to improve on what level you're playing, you have to go out with that mentality. But I, I honestly think that the biggest thing, especially for, for goalies around here, is get that competitive game feeling back, you know, if you're in drills, pretend it's a game.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Like every, as a goalie, and I'm sure you feel it too. Like you feel different when you're out doing a training session versus in a game. Yep. So if you can emulate that feeling of playing a game in your tryouts, I personally think it, it, it brings you to that next level. Right. So for me, it, it, it's just preaching. You know, get that competitive feeling back. That feeling of, you know, you're starting an important game, and and, and, tr- and treat your tryouts as if it's it's that championship game that you you're looking forward to.
0: Yeah, it, you know, for me, I I was always competitive. So when we were yep. in practice, it was like, okay, there's a certain players where I just I gotta stop them because mm-hmm. I, I know that they they're just the snipers. I gotta stop them. Or if we were doing two on O's, it was like, all right, out of the next 10, I want to stop six of them. Um, you know, it's, you, you got to set up those little games within the the practice to, to yep. give you something to shoot for. And I, I've heard even some NHL goalies where they'll go, it's not a 60 minute game to them. They'll, they'll break it down into five minute or two minute increments and say yep. for the next two minutes, I'm not letting anything in or for the, you know, it's.
1: A strategy I use is a period at a time. Each period's a game, right? Mm -hmm. Uh, And I teach it to a lot of the younger goalies that I train as well. Like, listen, bad goals happen on everybody. It's the ability to bounce back from it. So Mm -hmm. whatever whatever technique we can use to help you get over that bad goal, to get you back in that mentality of I need to stop the next puck or the puck after and to keep your team in it, you know, it's – I think it's beneficial for them, and it, it's it's training yourself to, kind of like you said, that competitive nature. Mm-hmm. Like I, I'm like you, I've I've always been competitive, whether it's with myself or with a goalie partner, even against teammates for fun in practice. Like I wanted to stop them,
2: mm-hmm.
1: so you know, like you have those little games with even with guys on your team that you know are your top players. Like you said, like even just being competitive one-on-one with them. It's, I find that fun. I always have. Uh, Even when I play now, like we play, there's a group of us that we play uh, once a week and it's the same guys and Mm -hmm. still at at our age, still pretty high quality hockey. It's the same thing. It's like, okay, I know this guy's going to do this move or I, I know he's, he's that scorer. Right. So I do whatever I can to be prepared to, kind of compete with him one-on-one type thing
0: yep i remember when i was in college we had three goalies and um whenever i was on the same end with the one kid like we were competitive with each other but in a good yep. way and a it was friendly like
1: competition yeah for sure yeah
0: and it was like all right for the next 10 we're gonna count how many going and then when i come in i'm gonna try and do better and but the thing is like we were cheering each other on like you got to make this next one to win it you know yeah um, well, it, it probably
1: made you both better too in the end.
0: Oh yeah, absolutely. It did. And, um, you know, you, you talk about the competitive side. I might be overly competitive at times because my family won't play Monopoly with me anymore because of that. <laughs> uh, they, they call me old man Potter from it's a wonderful life. <laughs> so Yeah. I, I get a little competitive at times and, uh, but that's all right. At least I, I think so. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Um, So in the interest of time, I I, again, I don't know how many episodes you've listened to, but I like to end every episode with 10, I call them rapid fire questions, but they take longer than a rapid fire should. Okay, uh, Because they tend to bring up some good stories. Uh, Okay. So the first one is, what's the craziest coaching moment from your playing or coaching days?
1: Craziest coaching moment. Well, I was, when I was still playing, Uh, it was kind of that old school coaching mentality still. So I remember having to do a bag skate until somebody puked at center ice in a garbage pail. So I'd say that was probably the craziest coaching moment I've seen because nowadays you you can't do that anymore, obviously. Um, And yeah, it was after just a poor team performance the night before and a game that we should have won easily. We took too lightly and coach sent pretty clear message
2: mm-hmm.
1: um but for me that's probably be the, the craziest because it's right out of you know you, you see those those movies it, it was exactly like that yeah and i'll be honest we didn't take any game late lightly the rest of the year so
0: my, my uh wife and brother-in-law tell this story when he was playing high school hockey here in minnesota uh they they had an away game and didn't play up to uh the skill they should have so when they got back to their home rink because they took buses to the and all their parents are in the parking lot waiting for them the coach made them unpack their stuff out of the bus put it in the locker room and then had them out in the parking lot running and parents were not happy but uh again sign of the times none of them said johnny get in the car it was Okay, we're going to let our kid run until the coach lets him no. go, even though we're not happy that we're sitting here waiting for him in the middle of, you know, Minnesota winter. But it's like, nope, you guys didn't play well. You're, you're going to run.
1: Well, and, and that was the thing. Like, you know, we accepted it, mm-hmm. we knew what it was from, it, you know, and it was you win as a team, you lose as a team. Yeah. We, we did the skate as a team. And yeah. I truthfully think it brought us closer together in, in the long run.
0: Yeah. Well, and there oh. there's a little bit of that Herb Brooks mentality where it's like, okay, it yep, bonded you guys to not like the coach. You guys had a common enemy. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so. And and to be honest, like at first, yeah, everyone's
1: pretty ticked off at the coach and was like, "Well, why are we doing this?" and but by the end of it, it was it, it was a a lesson to us all, like, you know, he expects a certain level of performance from us and Like, truthfully, I, I, I think as a whole, we respected him more at the end of the year because of it, Mm -hmm. because he held us accountable for our actions. Right. Right. So uh, it, like you said, what's the craziest is probably pretty crazy if you look at it during these times. But for us, I think it was what we kind of needed.
0: Yeah. I mean, did you grow up playing hockey in those times if you didn't have at least one bag skate where somebody had to puke? (laughs) that's true. Yeah. I think a lot of us our age have at least one of those stories yeah um there there were a couple of times where I thought I was going to, and I think if the coach would have told us we were skating until somebody puked, somebody probably would have been like okay i I can do this yeah. <laughs> i can i can go I can beat that guy yeah um yeah is is funny uh so the next question is what's your favorite all time goalie mask
1: goalie mask Ooh, that's a good one uh it, it honestly, just like iconically, I, my favorite goalie was Martin Brodeur. So something mm-hmm. like a Brodeur mask or even uh Curtis Joseph growing up in Toronto. So those two would probably be those up there for sure.
0: Yeah. You know, Marty Brodeur was one of those goalies as he played. I always thought he in the younger days was overrated. And then as he kept playing and kept dominating in different eras, I was like, okay, Yep. Because, you know, when he first came on the scene, we had Patrick Watt, we had Eddie Belfour, we had yep. Dominic Hoshik and Curtis Joseph. And so to me, at the time, Marty Brodeur was just another elite goaltender, but I didn't think he was one of the best at the time. Yep. And then all these other guys wind up retiring and Brodeur's still dominated. Uh, and yep. eventually I was like, okay, yeah. And I kind of had the same feeling, about Mark Andre Fleury, where at the beginning, it was like, okay, he's good, but you know,
1: drafted at first overall.
0: Yeah. And now he's still playing in quite a different, you know, game than when he was drafted and he's still dominating winning business yep. trophies. And, uh, as a Blackhawks fan, I'm excited to, uh, see what he does in Chicago this year. I think he's got a chip on his shoulder after the way he was treated in Vegas and he's, he's kind of had
1: that chip when he first went to Vegas too. Mm -hmm. And he, he took his game to a different level when he first started with Vegas too.
0: Yep. I I can't say he'll play angry because he's always got a smile on his face, but he's, he's, (laughs) he's going to be playing with an attitude. That's for sure absolutely. Uh, Um, I'm also, he's got some style, so I'm excited to see what he does with his (laughs) pads and his mask there, but his mask painter is the same guy that painted Crawford. So I I wonder if there'll be something similar. similar. Yeah. Um, yeah, I'm excited to see what he does there. That's for sure. Um, so the, the, the next question is one that, uh, tends to bring up some good stories. What's your favorite rink that you've played at?
1: Ooh, favorite rink. I would have to say I was able to play at the Air Canada Centre. So which is now the Scotiabank Arena for mm-hmm. the Toronto believe. So I when I was younger, we went to the finals of a tournament um and got the full like NHL treatment. Oh, cool. uh, so you got your your full 20 minute warm up and the one thing I remember the the most about that arena was how hot it was on the ice. Yes. You know, like you play in all the rinks even like nice ones like ohl rinks around here and it still feels like a rink it, it's cooler you know oh, it man. has that atmosphere um stepping on there it, it honestly felt like a sauna
0: those tv lights are something else i was fortunate enough to play at uh, what's now the all arena where the chicago wolves play and that was <laughs> the first thing i noticed too is like I was playing the second half of that game and I'm sitting here on the bench sweating. I'm like, Jesus, this is ridiculous. <laughs> well, we stepped out just for warm up mm-hmm. and like you just
1: start sweating. It, yeah. And it's like, okay, you get off after the warm up and you feel like you're cooling down in the dressing room. Yeah. And it's like, oh, it, it, like I said, it was completely different. And yeah. one thing that, another thing that I felt, found weird was tracking a puck around the glass. In an empty rink like that, yeah, it was tough, yeah, definitely tough
0: you know I, you mentioned the twenty minute warm up and I didn't have a twenty minute warm up until college, and I'm the kind of goalie i I like to get my feel for the puck, and then kind of I'm not one of those goalies when I started where I wanted every single shot of warm ups because i I mm-hmm. always and today I still feel I only have so many saves in me for the day, I don't want to use them all in warm ups. And okay. when we had that 20-minute warm-up, it was like, oh, Christ, I'm going to need another warm-up by the time Zamboni is done because this has taken so long. Yep. <laughs> and I, I still remember the high school I went to, I was averaging, you know, 40-plus shots a game my senior year. And, the, you know, the young freshman, sophomore year is probably 60-plus. And we are playing 17-minute periods. And then I get to college, and we're playing three 20-minute periods. And I had a defense in front of me, so I'm getting maybe 20 shots a game. So after my first start, one of the upperclassmen comes up to me and he goes, you know, what, what did you think of the game? And I said, well, it was nice that we won, but God, was I bored back there. You guys <laughs> gave me nothing to do. Yeah. <laughs> and he's like, what do you mean? And I was like, I'm used to three times as many shots. And he just, just started It was my warm-up. Yeah, it, it, I was like, and for me that that almost took more mental strength, staying focused because mm-hmm. I, I I've had this conversation with other goalies too. Those games where you get a lot of shots, you don't realize how many you got until after the game. Exactly. You're you're, you're just getting a rhythm where yep. it's like boom, boom, boom. But those games where the shots are far and few between, it's a lot harder to stay focused and on top yep. of things and keep that feel for the puck for sure um you know that that's something that's uh hard, hard to do and especially for us beer leaguers who haven't had many opportunities to to play as much
1: that's for sure
0: so the, the next question always throws people for a loop what's your favorite goalie stick that you've ever used
1: goalie save
0: goalie stick but we oh, can do save stick. next
1: i like that one. goalie stick yeah uh, uh... I would probably have to say the new ones that I'm using now. I I have the I, I'm using the right now, anyways, the Bauer One Supreme 1S Pro. Okay, and it it is the best composite stick I've ever used for sure. Mm-hmm. Durability and performance, it, it's by far the best. Um, and I grew up started with foam core like and wood way back sherwood 50 30s mm-hmm. and then as i got older i got into uh the ninety nine fifty, and i used that oh for years but i just found that once composite came out and the the foam core would just get soft too quick mm-hmm. uh so i went to composite and the early composite i like like i was saying like they had durability issues. Like yep. I I would go through oh geez, I think I went through four or five a year, if not more, at at some point. Um, but I'm I'm really liking what I have now. I think I'm gonna dip into some of the newer ones uh for the upcoming year. So we'll we'll see how they go, but definitely the one that current one I have right now.
0: You know, when the composite six came out, we said they had durability issues, and at the price point, I wasn't gonna pay that, not for the beer yep. leagues. In fact, I'm still using foam core sticks because I'm cheap, um, but I, I've kind of made the decision. The next stick I get probably will be a composite because yep. I think they've addressed the durability issues. And, mm-hmm. they, you know, yeah, you're going to drop a few bucks for it, but you're going to get some time out of it.
2: Yeah, for sure.
0: So you mentioned it. It's not part of my <laughs> questions, but I got to ask now, well, what's your favorite save?
1: Favorite save? Uh,
0: mm-hmm. I've. <laughs>
1: do you remember Curtis Joseph's sliding stick save against Dallas in the playoffs where he yes. slid too far? Yes. I was lucky enough in minor midget to pull off one of those. And oh, cool. it was pure luck. Um, And I, I'll say it, it, you know, a little bit of just battling to, to make sure I got back a bit. But Definitely that was the save of all saves that I've made, I would say.
0: <laughs> I think one of the coolest saves I made was actually in a spring league in high school. And I'm off a little too far past the left side of my uh glove side post, and the puck shoots out the other way to my blocker side. The kid's got an open net and he just rifles it about you know, halfway up the net. And I dive across both arms and I don't catch it, but it hits me in the glove and goes into the corner. And uh, after the game, one of my teammates, as he's asking me, how did you make that stop? I'm taking my chest protector off and I'm wearing a Superman t-shirt. Perfect. (laughs) So it it, it was just like, not only the save, but the question after the game and the fact that I happen to have that t-shirt on, he's like, don't even answer.
1: Don't even answer. Thanks. I
0: got my answer yeah it it was just like perfect timing that that was happening at that point <laughs> um but the favorite save question dovetails nicely into the next actual question What's your favorite youth hockey memory
1: oh boy honestly i I would have to say just you know probably a typical answer like playing travel youth hockey it's the away tournaments and spending time with with a group of of your buddies that turn into almost like a family. Like, you know, well, I remember playing my last couple of years, like you're together with them six days a week, if not every day of the week. Yep. Right. So, you know, it's experiencing tournaments with them or, you know, going into a, an away arena and, you know, getting booed at like at the age of 14, 15 and how to react to it. And, you know, just, I'm still friends with a big group of them and Mm -hmm. like I I would say it's it's you know those friendships and and those memories that you make with those guys that you still talk about today when you get together for a round of golf or something like that right so definitely I would say that would be the best memories for sure
0: that's a common answer too and I, I don't think that's unique to hockey either. It seems you know, my son's a baseball player and he loves those away. T- I shouldn't say tournaments. We've only really had yep. one because our, our association is really nice on us. Most of the tournaments, even if they say, you know, it's an away tournament you might want to get a hotel, they're still close enough. You can come home. Uh, but we had one this yep. year where there was no coming home. It was like two hours away. So we got that first hotel experience and, uh, yeah. At some point I had to tell him, was like, hey, you got a game tomorrow. We need to go up to the room and we need to go to bed. Yeah. He's like, but dad, it's only 10 o'clock. He's like, I get it, but you're still here to play a game. And yeah, the other dads were kind of doing the same thing with their kids at that point, where it was like, it's reached that time. You got to start thinking about the game again. Doesn't matter that damn near every team from the tournament was at the hotel. And even though the pool capacity was 150, every kid was in the pool. <laughs> yeah you know they didn't care they thought it was great
1: like for us it was always the mini sticks in the hallway yeah how long could we play before somebody called security well you know, for all the noise
0: that that was the tough part because a lot of the kids on my son's baseball team are also hockey players so i was like are we bringing the mini sticks like come on yeah. i, I want to play and um but we were playing in rochester minnesota where the mayo clinic is and people come to the Mayo Clinic from around the world for life-saving treatments and they don't always stay oh, okay. at the hospital. So they'll stay at hotels and we happen mm-hmm. to be staying at one of those hotels. So it's was like, well, no, we can't be playing mini six in the hallway. We need to be quiet and quiet respectful yep. of the other people that are here. Um, and they're the kids, not just ours, but all the kids in the tournament were really good about that with, except for the yeah. ones in the pool. But, that was away from the room. So that was okay. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. They they needed their, uh, their escape somewhere. So the next For question sure. is what's the best chirp you've heard directed at you, not directed at you on the ice in the best locker room. Chirp.
1: I don't like, Hmm. I would have to, I know one of my instructors, he uses a chirp to the kids or that he's kind of, told to a couple of kids he's like he always says i've had he- i've heard better chirps from a dead bird <laughs> and the kids look at him like they take a second and then they realize what he's trying to say and yeah. uh it's pretty good it gets the kids going for sure yeah um there's some of my kids that i like to tease a little bit about uh the sunburn on the back of the neck because the yep. low light goes off so much stuff like that Oh, I'm trying to think back to when I played. What yeah. was a good
0: one. David Hutchins of In Magazine said one of his uh, kids' goalie coaches looked at him and said, you must be really good at dodgeball.
1: Oh, that's a good <laughs> one
0: too. Yeah. I, I honestly can't think
1: of any from when I played. That's, that's the worst.
0: Yeah, you know, it's funny when, when I think of – The chirps from when I played, I I can't think of many either. I just remember some good one-liners and comebacks, but not necessarily chirps at other players or teams. Exactly. Yeah.
1: And it was always good, like, especially my last couple years of playing, like, I had big defense.
2: Mm -hmm.
1: The guys aren't going to stick around when you got a big D in front of you that push them out of the way or or they don't have much time to really chirp at you. So.
0: Yep. Yeah. In the beer leagues, there was one guy. He was just going after me all game and he was getting under my skin. And I think he was trying to pick fight. He goes, What, you want to fight? And I just looked at him and said, No, I got to work in the morning. Yeah. <laughs> and the, the ref just started laughing. And this guy just kind of looked at me like, You make a good point, but that yeah. just took all the wind out of my sails of trying to upset you. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. uh So, what is the worst post game beer you've had? Worst post game beer.
1: Uh, I'd have to say like, you get all ready for a beer and somebody hands out like one of these craft beers that is overly hoppy. Mm-hmm. Uh, I couldn't tell you a name of one off the top of my head, but for me, I, like, I want something cold and refreshing, not something that I have to like force down after a game. Yeah. Nothing know, worse than that.
0: I, I've said, i am I don't drink Coors Light on the regular, but I almost think that's one of the perfect post-game beers because it's cool well at least if when they bring them in the cooler they're cool yeah. and they're refreshing and they just they hit that spot right after a hockey game yep um, you know like at home in the summertime that's where i'll go with the the hoppy beers but yep. after a game no just just need some. something cold and that
1: something that's smooth and goes down yeah real you nice know,
0: not the cheapest of beers. Don't bring any of that Bush Light or Natty Light no. to the game. But a good Coors Light, Mick Golden Light, that's almost like the perfect post-game beer, in my opinion. Yep. Um, so when you tape your sick, you go heel to toe or toe to heel? Heel to toe. Okay. I, I, I like asking that question because every so often I get that one goalie who goes toe to heel. That one previous guest said those goalies are psychopaths. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but I, I, I always ask, you know, why do they go toe to heel? And most of them like to play the puck an awful lot. And they feel that going toe to heel helps the puck come off the toe better or the blade really? better. I'm not that good at playing the puck, so I don't have to worry about that.
1: I've always done heel to toe, and I
0: I don't even – I'm curious to know if it would make a difference. Yeah, I, Connor Beaupre uh, was the first one to really give a good explanation. Um, but like I told him, uh, I'm not playing the puck enough for it to matter. And when I do, <laughs> I'm lucky if I know where it's going. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, so what is your favorite number to wear and why? Uh,
1: so I've always wore number one. Okay. Uh, and the reason is uh, my dad's favorite goalie was Johnny Bauer. Oh. So I've kind of, kind of stuck with that. And I still to this day always wear number one.
0: Okay. Good good answer there. Not not too many Johnny Bauer references on the podcast. Yep. I like it. Um yeah,
1: I was I was lucky to have probably I was probably about nineteen twenty, I was able to have lunch with Johnny Bauer. So I was it was an awesome conversation. Mm-hmm. You know, he he was telling stories. The one thing I'll never forget is the size of his hands. When you shook his hand, I honestly like. I thought he was gonna crush it, <laughs> like just the size of his hands was like, unreal, and it you know the stories. It, it was it was an awesome memory that I I think about a lot.
0: Mm-hmm. So that, yeah, that was, that's awesome, you know. And it's funny. It's talking to one goalie, and they they didn't like the number one for goalies. They didn't know where it came from, and I explained to him that you know back in the days of the original six you know the good players typically had single digit numbers because the sleeping berths on the train cars were assigned by your number and the lower the number the bigger the bed on the on the train and so they always want you know the good players wanted the bigger bed so that that's why you know goalies were typically number 1 and you know 1 through 10 were the biggest beds so that that's yeah. why those single digits are retired you know, for the most part by the original six teams. Uh, so my, my last question is what advice do you have for young goaltenders?
1: For me, like, even when I talk to my students, it's enjoy playing it. it if you're not enjoying, you're not having fun. There's a problem. in, in my opinion, like even when I train, even my elite kids, if you don't have a smile on your face, it, there's something, something's not right.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Uh, like even when I played, like I, I was hard on myself. I worked as hard as I could all the time, but I enjoyed being out on the ice. Yeah. Um, and, you know, like there are some, some goalies that they are, were put there because they thought they had a better chance of making a team,
2: mm-hmm. you know,
1: maybe their heart's not in it a hundred percent. Um but for me, it you got to have fun. Enjoy yep. being on the ice every time you step on the ice.
0: Yeah. You know, the old Badger Bob, it's a great day for hockey. Um, and w- when I was in college, I'd be walking out to the rink saying that to my teammates. And they're like, give it a rest. You say it every day. I was like, because every day it is a great day for hockey. Yep. <laughs> you know, uh, I, I just to this day, I still love being out on the ice. It's, it's almost uh, it's like therapy to me.
1: I'm the same. I yeah. could be out on the ice, whether it's coaching, playing. Yep. Uh, just being at the rink in general. I, I, I feel the most comfortable being at the rink and I enjoy it the most.
0: Yeah. There, there's just something about walking into a rink, taking that deep breath of that cool air. Yep. That and, first step. Yeah. And it's just like whew, there, it's almost like walking through those doors, all of that anxiety and everything else just stops goes right away. There. And then, of course, when you walk out, it hits you right back in the face. But when, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> once you're in the rink, you're good for for those uh, few hours. For sure. Yeah. Well, Dan, where can folks find you on social media if they uh, want to follow Forest Goaltending?
1: Yeah. So just uh, at Forest.goaltending on Instagram. Uh, it's probably the best place. Uh, that's where we post all our content. Uh, we'll be posting some new stuff from our camp last week. Uh, I know we're working on that, do contests. Um, but yeah, it's definitely the easiest place to find us.
0: And I'll be sure to put the uh, link to that and the website on, uh, in the show notes. So perfect. People that are, uh, lazy can easily find you. (laughs) Yep. (laughs) Um, but I, I appreciate you taking time out of your day to talk to me. I've had fun getting to know you a little bit better. Uh, as I've said with almost all of my guests, you know, by the time I'm done uh, with an episode, I I feel like I've made another friend in goaltending where if we're in the same town, I I know we're getting together for, you know, lunch or a drink and uh, just continuing the conversation. I I think this is no different.
1: Absolutely. If you're ever in Cambridge, Ontario,
0: let me know. Or or your travels bring you through the Twin Cities. Yeah, for (laughs) sure. You never know. Yeah, you know, you you might just have to come down for the Let's Play Hockey Expo and, you know, check everything out all at once.
1: Yeah, for sure.
0: Yeah. Well, Dan, it's been a pleasure and uh, thank you.
1: Thank you very much for having me.
0: I always find it insightful talking to goalie coaches to know what they find most important to the foundations of teaching young goaltenders. More and more of the conversation seems to be leading toward the mental side of the game more than the technical on-ice side of the game and finding a good balance along the way. Be sure to follow Dan on Instagram at Forrest Goaltending and find him on Facebook at Forest Goaltending Professional Training and Skill Development. He can always find me on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, and YouTube simply by searching for Wash Up Goalie and I'll pop up. Visit washupgoalie.com for some great hockey-related content my Beer League Hockey video highlights, which should become much more regular now that the Minnesota Wild Adult Hockey League started this week with a big 7-6 to come-from-behind win. No thanks to me. Uh, <laughs> and, of course, all podcast episodes. If you want some wash-up goalie or tendy talk apparel, be sure to visit my Threadless shop by clicking on the merchandise link of my website. If you like this podcast, go listen to the BLPA Big Show. It's the OG BLPA Podcast Network show where a couple of beer league players talk beer league hockey, draft experience shenanigans, and exploits from around the game. The show is hosted by Nick Jones and previous Sandy Talk guest Trish Dangle. Be sure to check out the full lineup of hockey-related podcasts on the Hockey Podcast Network as well. There are too many to list here, but shows like the Tip of the Iceberg podcast, the What a Hockey podcast, and the newest podcast on the network, the Hockey Hotbed are all available. I need to thank the band, the Zambonis, for allowing me to use their music on my podcast. You can download their music at iTunes or wherever you stream your music from. I'm working on lining up other goalies to talk to. If you are a goalie or have connections to a goalie who I should talk to, shoot me an email at watchedupgoalie39 at gmail.com or send me a DM on social media. And let's not forget, if you are a brand who wants to sponsor the show... Be sure to reach out to me. I'd be happy to talk. And finally, if you like what you hear, be sure to subscribe, rate, and comment on the podcast platform you're listening on. It's a quick action on your part that helps others find Tendy Talk. So until next time, keep your stick on the ice and your body square to the puck. Get
2: on the train Takes me away Not gonna see you for a while Why? It's an away game It's an away game I'm coming home soon Get on the train, it takes me away Not gonna see you for a while Get on the train, it takes me away I'm coming back to you, style It's an away game, it's an away game It's an away game, another away game I'm coming home soon Just us two, just us two, just us two, just us two. two.